Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbont on Twitter, and I'm here with uh, two folks that I've just uh, recently become friends with, but who have a lot of interesting things to say about uh, gaming, unionization. Uh, I won't make them say too much about Australia, but if they'd like to, uh, we, we'd love to hear that too. Um, uh, Felicia McIntyre and Tim Colwell, uh, thanks thanks, guys for being on the show. Uh, no worries. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Absolutely. So... Um, I was first contact. I forget who uh, it was. Will who put me in contact with you guys? But Felicia, you were the first who sort of described uh, where you're at in the gaming industry. So can you give me uh, some idea of your position in the gaming industry? What your kind of interest is in in gaming um, and where I sort of wrote it at the beginning. But where unionization comes in for you? <laughs> okay. Um, so I've been playing video games since I was oh, eight years old. Um, so it's always been kind of a love of mine. And my dad is an independent gaming developer. Uh, so he does that on the side of his job. And he's been doing that since the early 90s. So I've kind of always been around it. Um, and I've been doing uh, public relations for video games for the past eight years. And I only just recently got out of the industry. Uh, but apparently I might be coming back in again. So surprise, I guess. But um, cool. yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, where I am at for like unions and stuff like that. I recently um, was employed by the United Services Union as a um, – oh, God, Tim, I've just had a brain blank. What was my Your job? communications Thank officer. Thank you, communications officer. Oh. <laughs> um yeah, and so like that, uh, I, that I learned kind of like what the inner workings of a union was like and how it benefits members and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you kind of always know all oh, unions are good and whatever, but you don't really understand quite what they do. So that was really eye-opening. Um, and yeah, there you go. Cool, great. And Tim, what is your what is your relationship to to gaming unions, etc.? Um, so. I come from a game development background. Uh, I did um, I did a couple of years at a game studio in Western Australia um, called Interzone, where we were working on a, a, a soccer uh, MMO, which was design, um, meant to be released in the Brazilian market. This would have been uh, the 2008-ish. And um, the company kind of went into financial troubles around the time of the GFC. 
and okay. uh, things started going badly and there was a lot of hostility and the, the CEO basically, after many months of not paying everyone, uh, actually came in and, and took all of the work and, and fled the country. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the cops were called on us and all kinds of stuff. So it was pretty nasty. Um, but, wow. uh, yeah, so basically, like, for me, it's... Um, from there, I went into games journalism and I started writing all these stories using my experience um, about this stuff. Uh, and okay. then a couple of years later, when that company also went under, uh, I was looking around for a job and, and I actually ended up um, applying for a communications role with another union as well. So that's what I do for, for my day job at the moment. I'm also a communications officer for a union in Australia and I do a lot of industrial work as well, like helping people with cases and stuff like that. So it's kind of two different uh, worlds of mine are like uh, converging, as it were. Oh, fantastic. So that's really interesting the way you guys both found gaming kind of uh, mixing with unions uh, for you, which I, I think like I, I spoke to um, spoke to a couple of people on the show thus far about unionization in gaming. And they're, they're yeah, always kind I mean, of weird bedfellows, <laughs> but uh, also also very interesting uh, uh I mean, it's interesting in the way they, they seem to naturally relate. Um, Felicia, I'm interested in, so you have sort of a family connection in, in terms of gaming. Yep. Um, is it also, I mean, do you find that your that the politics that you have now come from that connection, come from sort of like your understanding of gaming? Are they a familial thing for you? Do you, do you agree with your father in politics? Or is it something that kind of is, is a way that you're interpreting it, that you're sort of finding yourself in that world? Well, my situation is weird, right? I was raised by my grandparents, not my dad. And so my grandparents okay. are wildly conservative and my dad is from California <laughs> and very much not a conservative like I'm from Arkansas and my dad's from California so it's very very uh two different opposite uh politically speaking but I I probably favor my dad a whole lot more when it comes to politics um okay yeah okay yeah so he that makes sense he raised me to be fairly left-leaning I think um anytime I got to see him you know it was always like a um, it was it was always talking about like what's right and what's wrong, and then of course there were video games involved. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. The uh, video games are almost always about something about being right and wrong, oh, or always. finding inside of right or choosing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tim, I wonder if you can tell talk to me a little bit about. Um, so you're working in a communications department for a union. Uh, it, communications. This is going to be ham fisted, but it. You know, I'm just warning you ahead of time. Um, <laughs> sure. Communications and the way we sort of like talk to each other and sort of like the the the, the lines of communication, the way we sort of uh, message unions or, or, or talk about ways that you, know, you can talk about uh, labor support in ways that actually appeal to people as opposed to um, all the various ways that they've been used to scare people uh, in mm. sort of like neoliberal agendas and stuff. Um, I wonder, like, there's something in modern video games where there's a sense of dialogue being all important, right? Um, a sort of choice, like you can be good, you can be bad, you can do this, you can do that. Um, I wonder if like, does your experience making and 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 participating in video games uh, inform the way that you understand like the conversations you're having as well? I mean, is there is there something that can be gleaned from the weird sort of like bespoke morality of video games? Or is it all, is it all just kind of a, a castle in the sky? 
Um, it's uh, first of all, great segue. Um, secondly, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would say that um, one of the biggest struggles for for me when trying to um, communicate about um, about the work unions do and about about the the work that that um, just just general collective bargaining and, and collective organising does and is. Uh, is is in trying to make people aware that, you know, uh, although it's a bit cliche in video games to have you know literally evil and literally good, like that, that is a factual aspect of our modern economy that needs to be discussed. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, if if you go to work at a factory for twelve hours a day and you make X dollars an hour so that your boss can make five times X dollars an hour, like that's that's literally evil i don't know how to how to phrase that in a way that and 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 getting that across to people is very frustrating um but it's not because they're they're not aware that good and evil exist in the world but it's because they uh we've created many decades of culture that makes it impossible to phrase simple economics in such terms um, you know, we're, we're not allowed to discuss whether it's right and wrong because it's just business. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not allowed to discuss, you know, whether it's moral or immoral because it's, it's just economics. Like, it's, it's fine to do what you do because it's just the economy, right? Like, right, um, right. So, so having that conversation with people is very frustrating. And, um, but it also, like, the one thing about communications, right, is that it depends on the audience. Like, if I'm talking to... <laughs> yes. So, so the people that I would talk to for my day job are, um, you know, they work in rural, regional New South Wales. They work in, in meat processing factories. They're not interested in a, a complex discussion of good and evil as relates to the, the capitalist system. Um, sure. They want to know what they're going to get out of joining the union and how much it costs and what the benefits are. Um, for them, it's very much about, you know, like more immediate terms, like putting food on the table for the family and that kind of stuff. Right, right, definitely. Um, so, you know, the messages have to be different depending on the audience. And I think, you know, the messages that we put out for game workers are different to the messages that we put out for our day jobs, for our, our regular workers um, who are not in the games industry. So, uh, can one of you talk about like the messages you put out for game workers? Like, uh, how do, what do those look like? How do you how do you pitch this to game workers? Because I think like, you know, one of the things that's been one of the things that seemed to me uh, talking to people in the gaming industry, like one of the biggest challenges in uh, unionizing or getting people to organize in gaming is that it is such a, a sort of libertarian fantasia, and like people people are very much convinced that there's like a, a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Um, and then there are people who are just utterly, utterly exploited. And, like, that causes its own sort of fear. So it's it's quite difficult. I, I wonder, like, I, I totally get what you're saying, Tim, about talking to, you know, basically, like, what we'd call in America, like, blue-collar workers or whatever. Mm, yeah, same, um, same terms here, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly I, I, figured, I figured you had some sort of, like, no, no, more, no. Uh, more like, a, yeah, I mean, like, a more evocative term, something that was a little more metaphorical or... Uh, Australian slang tends to be a lot more interesting. Do you want me to say like Shazwazes or something? Yeah, please. Yes, please say say all of them. And please include one in no, every same. single answer. Uh, it's, it's blue collar and white collar workers here as well. It's exactly okay. Wow, well, that's all right. Well, um, so like blue collar workers, right? Um, 
but games workers live in that that middle realm, right? Where they're sort of like blue and white collar. Like they probably like at this point, uh, coding counts on some level as blue collar because it has so much to do with like the material reality of our life. But of course, it is also absolutely a white collar job. So like that's quite difficult. They're creatives. They're workers. They're precarious. They're exploited. Like how do you how do you pitch this to them? Uh, and Felicia, do you want to take that? Uh, I I can. Um, so uh, it's it's really difficult, especially for um, because we also consider uh, content creators and pro players and stuff like that also game workers because without them the industry Great. would be nothing. Um, well, not nothing, but it definitely wouldn't be as good as it is today. Um, yeah. And so, like, explaining to like it's it's pretty easy to explain someone that's in a job like coding because technically coders are already covered underneath some awards uh, here in Australia, whereas people like content creators or pro players or even some freelancers wouldn't be considered under any award. Um, mm-hmm. And selling them on a union is kind of like we have to explain things like, look, you can get legal advice, you can get legal assistance when it comes to making sure people are like actually paying your contracts and getting you compensation. Um, you're going to be given information about pay standards. You're going to have this entire work of, of uh, this entire group of workers at your back when it comes to any kind of like strike. Um, you know, there's, there's so little that's understood about what content creators and pro players go through though, that, you know, we kind of need more statistics on them to, to actually support them. So that's what we're trying to do right now is trying to get the word out to them that we've got this, uh, this, form that they can go through and like tell us about their issues and everything so we can actually like build something up to make it better for them cool otherwise like we have to kind of reframe the entire conversation around their job like um you know because they there's very much a a cultural belief that um it's not work you know um it's not labor it's it's actually just it's fun yeah you know but look the, the fact of the matter is that that if you're doing Ten thousand hours of streaming before you get a partnership with Amazon or whatever. You just did ten thousand hours of unpaid labor. Like that's not. Yeah. You know, there's no other way to interpret that in a reasonable fashion. Uh, well, and there's like, I mean, it's absolutely true. Like, I was talking to. Um, it, it's come up a lot recently. Like, I was talking to someone. Uh, I think it's an episode that'll come out probably like just before yours. Um, who who uh, works at Riot does all sorts of other different things, but like she. Um, we were talking about streamers and, and it really is a ton of work, yeah. like talking to all the people, making them feel heard, uh, really providing something entertaining. Yeah. Um, and, and within the same breath, I heard that uh, Ninja, the sort of like, you know, the face for successful streamers uh, at this point uh, was like, took a day off because he was at a streaming conference basically. And, uh, and lost 40,000 subscribers because he took a day off oh. and it just like there's this it's just brutal right yeah that is like there yeah i mean i'm sure he got it back he's not he's not hurting but like that sort of like logic of the market right like well if you're not providing me content every single day for six hours a day why am i following you like that's so that's so intense um so yeah that that, that makes sense that you would want to sort of like explain to them that yeah this is labor it's not it's not easy what you're doing. No, it's it's really like I I never understood quite what they went through until um, 
I started doing public relations for video games because I'd always just kind of been around, you know, there's always been people that have been like, hey, you know, it started with journalists. Journalists started being the stars. And then after the journalists came, um, it was the content creators. And then it's the esports players. And like, it's all these people that are kind of like held up and doing these work that they just kind of put themselves out there and people hold them up. And then once people don't get what they want out of them, they're just kind of discarded and it's not, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awful. The, um, there's a lot of, you know, the, one of the biggest problems with the, the industry and unionizing is, is obviously, you know, as we've talked about that whole kind of libertarian captain of industry mentality. Um, but, <laughs> right. but also the fact that like, generally speaking games, consumers, are willing to throw the people who make the games under the bus mm. if it means that they get mm-hmm. what they want. And whether that's sure. you know, making their games or whether it's making their, you know, making their bloody uh, content online for their streamers as well as their, you know, their YouTube content, like they're more than willing to throw them under the bus. There's no, like, because the culture from day one when you get into games is about what are you going to do for me? Um, right. And, and, and that that really fucks with any any framing of the conversation. It's very hard to to explain to to people who consume games that, you know, you, it's not actually okay for you to want this game to come out by Christmas because it will destroy the people who are making it, you know? Um, but I yeah. think we're seeing a lot of pushback against that, and I am seeing a lot of really heartening comment threads and conversations now, you know, saying, look, I don't care if you delay your game, just treat your workers right. Yeah. Um, so I think that the message of that is changing. But it, it's Good. really hard to fight against because it's it, it's very much a hyper consumer culture, and, and the hyper consumer culture means only one thing, and it means workers get fucked over. Right. Sure. I guess like uh, one of the things. So there's a bunch of questions I have, but I think that's that's super salient. Uh, both of you. Uh, you know, one of the things that strikes me about gaming, right? And I, I guess like I want to ask you this, and then actually I want to double back and get some sense of what labor structures are like in Australia. Cause I think a lot of the audience we have is American and I expect they're a little different. Um, but first, uh, this idea of audience, right? Like, um, uh, obviously, you know, via Gamergate or whatever, like there's been all sorts of since then and probably before the audience of gamers has always been, has been like a uh, fraught topic, right? <laughs> Something that like we all know about, we all sort of understand is, is problematic on some way or another, also very uplifting at times as well. Um, I mean, how do, well, let me ask you this, how do gamers, and I'll ask, um, I'll, I guess we could just keep going back and forth. I think the rhythm's been great. Felicia, I'll ask you. Okay. Um, how do, how do gamers respond to your, union i mean do you get responses from the audiences themselves do you get pushback is there any sort of like um distaste towards what you're doing a fear that people are a fear that like you're going to ruin the industry somehow or is it all pretty positive literally (laughs) literally yesterday someone was like i don't like unions and i think they don't work and screw them um so i what happens there is that that's cool that they decided to tell you that well no it's someone posted it like this is this is a reach out done not by us someone had said hey if you're interested in joining the union this is a movement that's starting in australia and they posted it to um one of the independent game developers uh pages for i think it was anyway it doesn't matter it's, it's one of the one of the places here um 
And uh, someone responded, oh, I think unions are, are bad for our industry. They might work for other industries, but they're bad for our industry because our industry is uh, hit-based and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, wow. Yeah, it was, it, it was not um, – it was interesting because the points that they were making were not uh, – it sounded like they actually wanted a union, but mm, they mm. wanted to put all of the onus on the individuals getting what a union would give them. Yeah, mm-hmm. which uh, it's very interesting. Frustrating. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of a prevalent attitude for people that are just against unions, but they sound like they actually want one, which is very confusing. But yeah, like they'll be like, "Oh, I admit the industry has problems, but there's no way we could solve them by collectively standing together." Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Like, <laughs> yeah, so frustrating. It's very. Weird. And that's like the uh, that's like the 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 classic like, well, you know, I I like what you're saying, I I admire you, but. Um, as always, what you are doing will not work and is not what I want. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, that's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I just want to jump in there and say, like, no, please. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of this belief that the games industry can't be unionized because it's based around rise and fall, like hit based releases and stuff like that is like fundamentally the film and television and creative industries all work in the same way. Yeah. Right. And they've been unionized oh, yeah. out the arse for like decades, if not longer, um, with great results. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's uh, it's it's a culture that's been deliberately created by games industry bosses to be like, oh, you know, we couldn't possibly unionize because of the way our industry is. But the way our industry is is exactly the same as other heavily unionized industries, and there's no difference. Yep. And it's very frustrating, you know. Here in Australia, the Media Alliance, which is the union which covers creative fields and stuff like TV and, and um, video and, and movies and stuff, you know, they, they've they already expressed a lot of interest in what we're doing because they understand, because they're not fucking idiots, <laughs> that the model is exactly the same, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, is there, is there like, uh, it just, you know, immediately thinks, think of this, like, is there a prestige element there too? Like insofar as like video games are always searching for uh, some version of legitimacy. Um, I mean, is part of that the fact that, they aren't willing, like, I mean, would it, is there a carrot there to be had where you say, um, you know, if we can kind of like unionize and regulate like the, the big boys do or the big girls do, then, then maybe we'll be treated seriously. Or do you think like, it's more like, well, we don't want to be regulated like them. We want our freedom of speech. I mean, mm. that's probably been used before as an excuse. <laughs> so sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't think because they, they are struggling for legitimacy in some ways, but in other ways, they already say, fuck you, we're legitimate. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, mm. So that's kind of not as a, as, a, as a tactic. I don't think that would that would work. OK, there's a lot of um, talk about, you know, like, oh, the industry is still struggling, like we couldn't possibly unionize because that would endanger our, our future likelihood of success, yeah. um, which is like, well, a no. Uh, but, but also like the, how do I put this? So we have people who are more concerned with the industry existing at all than we have about whether the industry actually provides a stable and reliable income for the people who work in it. Yeah. Right. So in other words, they're willing to, to, to hold up the fact that the industry exists at all as proof that it's successful rather than mm-hmm. the fact that the industry is able to give people who work in it a good and meaningful life as proof that it's successful. And that's very frustrating because obviously 
to my mind, the real metric of an industry's success is can you work in it for many years and actually have an improving life that allows you to do the things you want to do? That's what I consider to be the metric of success of an industry because I believe that the economy should work for people rather than work for businesses. Absolutely. But the conversation yeah. around around games is very much like, oh, well, you know, if, if we push wages too high, the industry will go away. And it's like, well, Ugh. surely if the wages are too low, it doesn't deserve to be in business anyway. Like, it, <laughs> it's not okay to say, oh, look at me, I'm working for 30000 Australian dollars a year, which is not even the median wage. Yep. Uh, but it's okay because it's helping the games industry exist. Like, fuck off. Like, no, it's that's not, not, that's yeah. not don't, how it works. Don't do that to yourself. Like, you don't <laughs> get to... That's not okay. And if the games industry can't, you know, the bosses are never going to fix that problem, right? That's that's a simple reality that we have to deal with. The bosses of the games industry are never going to say, we should lift all the wages because it will make our workers' lives better. They're not going to do that in games. They don't do that in any other industry. Right. Um, they're only interested in looking at the success of the industry as measured in, in profit margins for the, their companies, mm. you know? So the, the only people who are going to change this are the workers. If they actually want, if they really love video games, then they sure as shit better get started on organising them because without them, it's never going to become the good industry that they want it to be. Right. Well, and there's also, I mean, there's the the, the double talk there where, um, you know, it's it's the idea that you're being sort of a, a, uh, a de rigueur capitalist in saying that, like, well... Uh, we don't need regulations on this labor, but then also sort of then uh, going completely the other way and saying like, because we need to artificially support these places and give them enough profit so that they keep, you know, thriving. Right. Like that's a, there's a way that like, I, I, it really resonates with me what you said. Like if, if you can't give your workers a decent wage and still succeed, then maybe you should go out of business. Like that's, that's not unfair. I mean, like, it's, it sounds harsh, but it, like, it totally makes sense the way you're saying yeah. it. Also, yeah, there's, like, a lot of research behind uh, if you raise wages, they give more to the economy regardless. Like, that's just, mm. that's just how the economy works. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you give people spending power, they spend spend money Weird. <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> like i mean obviously you know no no this is pretty controversial i don't <laughs> yeah. i don't know <laughs> like i have to edit this part out you know we we would you know clearly like to be supporting like one of our goals that felicia and i've talked about a lot is is um you know getting more workers into co-op situations yep. um and making giving them like a democratic control of the workplace yeah. um very cool but but at the end of the day like they need that spending power because that's what drives the economy. That's what circulates money. That the reason that our economies uh, are going to stagnate and, and collapse in the next couple of years is because all the money is being hoarded at the top end mm. and not being circulated throughout the economy. Like this is literally what even even in Australia, our, our Reserve Bank, which is the most conservative, you know, monolithic fiscal institution that runs the currency, is like holy shit, we need higher wages for our workers. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm t- like the governor of the Reserve Bank in Australia is out there warning everyone in the media, we need higher wages or the economy is going to collapse. Boy, like, if that's not a canary in a coal mine right there. Yep. <laughs> that's like... <laughs> you, know, this yeah, is, it's... you could not get someone who is less of a friend to the workers than the governor of the Reserve Bank. And even they are out there saying, listen, fucking raise wages or it's not going to keep working, guys. Or we're done for, yeah. Yeah, I, I, so it's really interesting to me that it's about raising wages because I think like that's something that rarely gets talked about in, um, 
American game organizing. And not that American game organizing is bad. I'm not trying to cast aspersions. Um, it's, it's very young uh, at this point um, and sort of like very new. But the and then, you know, unionization in America is always uh, I mean, it's, it, I don't know if it's uniquely difficult, but it is quite difficult mm. uh, and, and more and more so with recent court decisions. Um, but, you know, like the the focus seems to be some along the lines of quality of life and, and not to say that wages don't enter into that. It's always living wage, but like the emphasis is always on like we have uh, quality, uh, you know, quality control and QA and, you know, people who are uh, beta testing who work, you know, 100 hour weeks on, you know, or 80 hour weeks on like, you know, uh, contracts that are never, never renewed. And then they are dropped at the, uh, dropped at the, you know, whim of any sort of creator and or like company. And it, it's very much up against this kind of precarity. But the way you're talking about it, it seems more like, you know, like we have this industry, we need to bolster it and pay the people who are doing it. Um, is there more of a, like an established, um, I'm trying to think of like an established chain of employment, and I'll say it that way, in terms of gaming in Australia, or is it still kind of the precarious industry that uh, we see in other countries? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, look, it's uh, it's very precarious. Okay. The answer okay. to your question um, is it, it's exactly the same as it is in the US. Yeah. Exactly the same. Um, the vast the vast majority of people working in games in Australia would be freelance or independent contractor capacities. Um, there would only be gotcha. maybe out of an industry of let's conservatively say one thousand to fifteen hundred people in Australia. You know, you would probably be looking at four to five hundred direct, permanent salaried employees yeah. making that okay. up, right? Um, <laughs> and that's just very, very rough numbers based wow. on based on data we have. Um, very rough. So that may not be correct, but but and even even anecdotally, the overwhelming amount of game developers are freelancers and independent contractors, and and certainly a lot of people are also engaged in um, what's called sham contracting. I don't know what the term is in the US, but basically this is where you would have someone who is in the office alongside all the other full-time direct employees, but they're actually a contractor and they invoice for their oh. money at the end of every month. So they don't have any employee rights, but they work alongside employees who do have rights. Uh, and, and that's very wow. common. In, very common. I guess that would be, industry. I guess that would be contract working. I guess that's kind of what I do as an adjunct, but like it's, strange <laughs> it, it like, feels very yeah contract work is is completely legal in australia um like there's no it's always oh, legal that, it's legal it, here too yeah yeah, yeah yeah but but the issue is like contractors have certain rights around being able to, uh, to direct okay. their work like they can choose where to work they can choose when to work they can choose oh. the tools <laughs> they use to work with you know that being a, if you make someone a contractor what you're essentially doing is uh i trust you to do whatever you need to do to get this job done if you start wow. overly managing them and directing them, then they're an employee, right? Yeah. And But if they're an employee, they're entitled to certain rights like annual leave, sick leave, superannuation, which is our kind of social security. Um, okay. And contractors don't get any of these. So what's when, why it's called sham contracting is because they get all the benefits of a contractor, but they uh, don't have to treat them like an employee. So they treat, sorry, let me start again. They treat them like an employee, but from the boss's point of view, they get all the benefits of being a contractor, so no rights, no leave, okay. no sick leave. So, so there's a lot of that happening in the Australian industry. Like I know people who are working in offices in Australia alongside full-time employees, but they're contractors. You know, they go to they show up the job nine to five, five days a week, but 
they're a contractor and they invoice for their money. And that's, okay. that's horribly illegal in Australia. Um, and that's a lot of that in the games industry. Mm. Interesting. I mean, Felicia, I don't know if you, I don't know how long you, uh, you know, were in the workforce in America or not, or if you would agree with this statement, but I mean, that sounds like uh, contract work in the U.S. to me. Yeah, it does. Um, also, I was... It's effectively what we call our contractors. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, no, go ahead. Much. No, it's okay. Um, so I, uh, I worked for quite a while in the gaming industry in um, the United States, but I also worked for okay. Funcom during the time that oh. um, Age of Conan was coming okay. out and they were doing massive layoffs and yeah. You know, you are not the, you're not the only, uh, you're the second person who worked at Fun, Funcom uh, for Age of Conan. Oh. Uh, I also had, uh, my buddy Ian Williams was on the show uh, and he, he did some, I forget what he did at it for Age of Conan, but he was there same time, talked to me about the layoffs. Yeah. Exciting. Seems like an exciting time to be there. That was a lot of, it was, it was terrifying because you'd have like, um, I think the eventual numbers was they lay off 60% of the workforce and then the next week or the next week or week, like two weeks later, it was like 40% of what it was left. And then after that, it was like 20% of what was left. And then, so every, every time you come into work and then people would start like just going out the door and you'd be like, am I next? (laughs) You can't even, Wow. that was also during, I don't know. It was the exact same time. I don't know how you could live there or how you could do that. It sounds horrible. It was, it was terrifying. You were terrified that you wouldn't be able to stay in your house because, you know, we were uh, or I was renting well, at the time. And like, it's mm. it's just very it wasn't good. It was not good. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Shit house is the is the Australian phrase. It was pretty shit house. It sounds I mean, that doesn't that doesn't sound like too far off from something we'd say, too. That's 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 one that should. Uh, I feel like that should, should cross migrate. over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel I, I agree. I think I think that that has a place in American yeah. slang. Two very um, accessible components. Yeah. Exactly. House. House. yeah. Breaks down. OK. Stuff. OK. I know what that is. And I know what that is. Uh, OK. Wow. All right. So that's really interesting. Um, well, since we sort of organically gotten there, I'm also really. So you were talking about. There was something you said earlier. It was, um, oh, I should have said it earlier. You were talking about how you uh, you appeal to workers, like game workers, but they already have sort of a sense. And you you said they have something, and like it seemed like it was like a uh, an accessibility to legal counsel or something like that. Like a um, it was something that the 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 streamers didn't have. Oh, okay, so. Well, there is, um, like, okay, so coders and stuff like that, some creatives would yeah. have already access to that if they're, like, a part of, like, the, especially if they're creative, a part of the MEAA, um, which that's okay. a media um, entertainment alliance. Is that right, Tim? That's right. Okay, I don't want to, like, say their name wrong on a podcast. No, um, I'm sure they won't care. <laughs> just everyone calls them the media alliance anyway. Well, there you go. Um yeah, so th- those people, they do have the possibility of having access to legal assistance and stuff like that. Um, pro players, content creators, they they really don't. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and it, interesting. What's, what's interesting about pro players, though, is that this is not the first time unionization has come up for them. Like, there's actually a movement in the States right now for um, pro players uh, and esports yeah. and stuff. I actually know a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So yeah, they don't they don't have the same access that, that other people would, and um, yeah, they get heavily taken advantage of because of it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I just thought there was some term used, but that makes ton, a ton of sense that they don't have those things. That there's actually like a a full um, kind of so, union, or not union, but organization for them. 
there's like a kind of so so um like to to give a bit more info on on what people can and can't have in Australia. Um, yeah, please, so, absolutely. So the way that our industrial system works is that um, we have the what's called the award system, mm-hmm. and the award system is like so. Awards are industry based, and and they're the terms and conditions that govern work in that industry. Uh, so if you were working in say black coal mining, you would be covered under the black coal award. If you were working in hospitality, you'll be covered under the hospitality award. If you were doing, um, you know, uh, meat processing, you'd be covered under the meat processing award. Uh, and and what okay. these awards are is the minimum wages and conditions for any work in that industry. Oh, so if you wow. In, okay. Yeah, right? that so that's the way it works. And these, just to be clear, these are bad. They're not good. They're fucking, they're not livable good wages. Um, they're better than absolutely nothing, obviously, but they're bad. Uh, and Interesting. Um, so the real problem with game work generally in Australia is that it's hard for most of it to be categorised clearly under an award uh, because it's such a nebulous field that kind of bridges the you know the sectors of entertainment and programming and software development and broadcasting uh, and narrative design like there's so many things in there that it's hard to say definitively you know this clearly is this award, this is this award, this other part is this other award. So one of the okay. things that we're working on at the moment is trying to to give Australian game workers a clear understanding of where their work fits into the various awards and then we're doing a lot of research into that and getting like trained industrial officers from, from unions to like vet it and make sure it's legit. That is um, fascinating. But like, yeah, so, so that's the way that the system works in Australia. So some disciplines are easier to classify than others, right? So so like Felicia was saying, a pro player or a content creator is like they're just falling right through the gaps in that system. Yep. You know, no, no one, no one could, no one could know exactly what what they were going to fall under. But if you were like a, a programmer, or if you were like clearly a, like if you're an engine programmer on a game, you're very clearly in software development, and that has a clear meaning under certain awards. So okay. disciplines are very different, and different game working disciplines will either be very pleased or very unhappy to know the results of our research. But look, at the end of the day, we need this information. So yeah. it doesn't, you know, even if it's disappointing for some people, which it probably will be, and I, I don't look forward to breaking the news to them, but the, we need this information because one of the reasons that we've been talking to all these game workers and saying, listen, you need to unionise is because if we all work together, we can actually work to have these awards changed and updated to reflect this new reality of work for us Um, and we we can have you know we can have them amended to specifically include game work and have specific legal definitions for our work that were not previously available and that's you know like new awards are created all the time like to cover emerging fields or to to expand to include fields that have always been there Um, this isn't a new process but it's new for game workers because not only are they not used to interacting with the industrial relations system, um, but but also sure. uh, it requires like um, it just requires a level of collective movement that has only really existed in fucking blue collar work um, before. Right, right, and, sure. Like I was D- at a at a I was just just an example. I was actually at a strike yesterday for my day job. Um, oh wow! And um, great, you know, like the level of solidarity there in, in regional towns. Like people just walk past the park where you're having the strike, and they're hooting and hollering and yelling, you know, honking on their horns and shouting words of encouragement <laughs> and stuff. Like sure. that that level of of solidarity doesn't exist in white collar work. No. 
Um, and, mm. you know, like, I know that's a broad sweeping statement, and I apologise to all the leftist white-collar workers out there who would, <laughs> who would support a picket line. Um, but it, it generally doesn't. Um, oh, I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult. I mean, I, I, I unionized for, my, for graduate. When I was getting my PhD, I was part of the graduate student union, and even organizing for graduate students was like, I mean, they, you know, they make nothing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's crummy work. Yeah. And it's still hard to, to get everyone to, to actually organize because, I mean, we consider ourselves white-collar workers, and it seems like, well, that's, that's beneath us or that's yeah. not something we do or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. unions are for blue-collar workers and uh, women. Right. That's the you know, that's obviously not what I believe, but that's the prevailing sentiment among Thick. like white collar professionals. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make that the title of the episode and say that uh this is uh, in a little parenthetical, I'll say Tim believes this. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um there's also like uh okay, so like um I wanted to explain a little bit about uh Australia in general. So you've got like you've got the minimum wage, which you know the United States does not very well, but it does. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got the minimum wage, and that's based off of age. So, like, what was the what's the earliest you can start working, Tim? And um, I think you know you have the full rate at like eighteen, but you've got percentage rates as early as sixteen and fifteen, I think. So, like, a fifteen-year-old might earn like sixty percent of the minimum wage, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well, that's fascinating. Um, and then you've got on top of that, you've got your award, which is like your um, your industry, and then you've got your enterprise bargaining agreement, which is your specific company, and then you can on okay. top of that, you've got the individual worker who is able to negotiate for their contract. So they've got several layers there that they get actually like bump up their wage all the way up. Yeah, um, that's right. And game workers have none of that. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Like if you were to. Like so, so if you were, if you wanted to negotiate with your boss for an enterprise bargaining agreement and said, look, you know, and ninety percent of us at this work site want an agreement covering specifically us, yeah, you still wouldn't get it because you have to be covered by an award to yeah. be able to muster up an agreement on top of that. And if game workers aren't covered by an award, that makes it very hard to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so that makes like, sense because the way it works in Australia is that if you want to have this agreement. Um, it has to pass what's called the, the boot test, and that stands for better off overall test. So okay. the way an agreement works is that um, you you would you would make the agreement with your boss, usually after a threat of industrial action, in my experience. Uh, that and, seems to and, be right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then you, know, you take this agreement to the Fair Work Commission, which is our government independent, quote-unquote, government body, uh, that, um, that checks these things and they would say, well, is this agreement better than the relevant award? Is it better off overall than the relevant award? And then there would be no relevant award, so you could not pass the agreement. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, like, that's a fucked situation, you know? There's no yeah, way that's... to put that. Like, so that's one of the reasons we need this kind of legal clarity around what we do because, like Felicia was outlining, there are all these better options than the award. But it's really hard to access them because the steps required just aren't there to support it. Yeah. So does the, I mean, this is so, I, I actually, this is something that I'm always happy with with the podcast if it kind of goes in directions I don't expect. <laughs> um, and I did not expect to learn this much about Australian uh, labor law, but I'm excited to do it. Um, so tell me about the awards. I mean, do those do those skew in a particular political way? Like I would assume based on any given like technocratic society, that something like coal mining would be, uh, like black coal mining uh, awards would be less than say like, I don't know, let's say coding awards. 
um, mm. that like that like it, it skews more towards white collar, um, technocratic sort of like um, I'm, I'm assuming Australia kind of looks like a neoliberal society <laughs> in, in a lot of these ways. <laughs> yes, you're you're not not wrong at all. Okay. So do the awards help with that? Is that like something that they um, they uh, basically bolster or do they kind of exist? Well, I don't know what the alternative is. So I'll just say, is that something that's bol- is that something that bolsters that uh, societal expectation that like, okay, these jobs are worth more than these other jobs? Um, I'll, I'd like to speak to that actually if I Absolutely. can, because I've just been researching the professional award quite heavily. So um the answer to your question is is in broadly the the award system exists to keep workers poor. Um, oh, interesting. That, okay. That's that, that it, its general purpose is to keep workers poor, right? Um, like that's never explicitly stated, but that that's that's the general purpose. <laughs> It'd be of rough it. if it was. Uh, I, it would be a hard one to explain yeah, if it was explicitly it stated. Um, look, be, because the awards are the minimum legal wage for work in industries, most employers simply pay to the award and don't do anything else, right? And because sure. workers don't really know their rights and what their options are, most of them are happy to get the award, not only because it has this lovely name, the award rate. Um, <laughs> right, it sounds, it sounds like rather than, a prize. Rather than what it is, which is, you know, let's be clear, lean very close to the microphone, minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you know, because no employer will ever say, I'm paying you the minimum legal wage. They'll pay you, they'll say, I'm paying you the award rate. It's like, okay. Okay. So the phrasing, you know, the, even the phrasing is very insidious. But, but broadly speaking, yes, the purpose of the awards in our neoliberal hellscape is to keep workers poor. Um, okay, gotcha. Further than that, uh, yes, there is only one real white-collar award, um, and it is better oh. than the other awards. Um, There's only one white-collar award, even though, like, even though much, all yeah. the... So interesting. Like, so... You have the clerical award, which is for like office workers. Yeah. But the in terms of white collar work, like um, like uh, professional work, like scientific engineering and stuff like that, uh, that that award is a lot better than the other blue collar awards. Like um, you know, like I would say that that even uh, office workers and, and clerical workers and stuff don't even really count as white collar for the purposes of this discussion. They're more like service workers as far as these, these awards. Interesting. Treat them. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and like definitely the professionals award, which again covers engineering and science and stuff like that. That's a lot better than the, the award for say poultry processing. And I can tell you that for a fact, cause I've read both of those awards very thoroughly. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So like very much the awards very much enshrine a two tier blue collar, white collar society. Uh, uh, and you know they help to keep workers generally on the whole poor. But uh, to, to speak to what you said earlier about like black hole and stuff, um, th- there that's not to say that someone working in black hole in Australia would generally be worse off than someone working on, in an engineering or scientific capacity, because really? okay. because we have incredibly strong construction unions in Australia. Our strongest mm. union is what's called the CFMEU, which stands for the Construction, Forestry, Mining and Engineering Union. And they've actually just amalgamated as well with the Maritime Union, which does shipping. Um, and so they are incredibly strong, very powerful. Oh, well, that, yeah, uh, that makes and, sense. And it's, you know, they're workers who join the CFMEU are generally on incredibly good rates of pay because they are ferociously militant uh, and they have negotiated some really good rates across most of the industry. Um, wow. And like, so there's a very good chance that a black coal worker would probably be earning a lot more than the average white collar worker simply because the industry is heavily unionized. And, you know, that's not, 
like, you know, our, our government and our prevailing media conversation paints this as corruption. Of course, it's not. It's simply a bunch of workers. It's, it's negotiation. <laughs> it's negotiation. Yeah, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, but that's like the thing that, that, that Felicia and I are trying to put across to people is like, you, you can do this too. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to, uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to put up with just uh, whatever the boss gives you. Because right. by standing together, you can earn a lot more, you know, and that's that's demonstrated again and again and again in our economy and our society. You can mm. earn a lot more by collective bargaining. Even the the Australian Bureau of Statistics, which is our, our government body, which basically does census data and stuff like that, you know, their own data shows that workers in unionize, in, who join their trade union earn an average of 25% more than non-unionised workers. Like, it's not... That's across across the whole of Australia. Like unionized workers earn twenty five percent more than non unionized workers. That's a huge difference. Wow. You know, like and that's it's a massive government data. Yeah. They don't you know, the government doesn't promote this obviously, um, because our government is very um, you know, uh, neoliberal and uh, I mean I would I wouldn't know any find I, the Liberal Party too. <laughs> Felicia help Felicia help me out here. I wouldn't know anything about a government not uh, encouraging statistics that uh, promote unions to be to be set yeah. uh, uh, released. That that's crazy to me. Yeah, Why would any government do completely that? Completely alien to all Americans, not normal. Yeah, we. we <laughs> yeah. Wow, weird. Um, I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys on hold while I go check to see if the uh, the health department has been able to release something about guns recently. Oh. Our powerful <laughs> lobbies have stopped that. Um, no, yeah. So. Um, uh, so you're saying like the government doesn't uh, support this, and then you were going to explain the Liberal Party to me, oh, which yeah. I'm assuming is not especially liberal. No, uh, you know it's um it, it's a fusion of classic liberalism with right wing religious conservatism. Yeah, it's about oh. Would you put that about rightfully? I, I feel like that's like about that you... it's Australia's system is so much different to the United States. You got to understand. So like. Um, they don't, for one, they don't, uh, they don't vote in a person. They vote in the entire party and then the entire party oh. decides who the person is that is the prime minister. So right. just for that one weird thing, people, people are voting in an entire party, which are supposed to embody the beliefs and the liberal party specifically isn't, well, one, they're not the same liberal as the United States have. They're actually quite conservative. And then you've also okay. got like the, it's, it's. Man, it is Trevor straight up weird. <laughs> it's just different. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds. I mean, like I, I, I'm totally like. I'm sure I'm irritating my audience who wants to hear more about gaming. But like, <laughs> this is fascinating to me. I, this is like, I, you know, I think all of my audience who wants to hear about gaming is, has long left. But the, oh. uh, and, and, I mean, I mean, I mean, the podcast in general, not your episode. We, we also have the, um, our, our version of the Democrats is actually very, very fundamentally similar to to yours. Um, yeah. Oh, think, please. Which is like, so we have the the Liberal Party is is the conservative party mm-hmm. uh and the labor party is is the uh alternative because we have a two-party system as well oh um, so you don't have like greens like uh oh, we do. yeah we do. A, we do oh okay but they're they're a smaller like they're the kind of you know that they own a few seats that have and they have to be appeased when it comes to passing legislation but generally speaking it's a two-party system which is obviously bad but that's how it is um yeah, and, no. But yeah, like the, the Labour Party, quite literally, as you probably guessed from their name, mm-hmm. were founded by unions um, to advance sure. the cause of working people. And like the now, British Labour Party. That's right. Is that and, similar? And, okay. Yeah. Uh, and now are um, uh, spineless centrists who have completely been compromised by big business. <laughs> um, I can't. 
That doesn't sound similar at all. Right. I don't know why you said that would yeah. sound so similar. No, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. Either. Yeah, I can't think of any other major political mm. parties which used to represent workers and now represent big business. So anyway, like it's... <laughs> we won't, yeah. um, but that, that's exactly how it is in Australia. So like the trade union okay. movement um, obviously is constantly trying to get labour on board with various changes it wants to make. And it used to be that the trade union movement directly controlled the Labour Party because it was the Labour Party. It was a political party explicitly founded by unionists to advance the cause sure. of workers. Um, right. But now it's like now the now the trade union movement is constantly just forced to negotiate with the Labour Party um, and be like, hey, how about the workers? And they're like, well, we can't give the workers too much money or else big business will leave the country. It's like, OK, sure, <laughs> all right. Okay. Great. We really, we really didn't like keep a good eye on this. Yeah, like that's that's so strange. That's like, um, I mean, I can only imagine how easy corruption is if you have to elect in an entire party. Uh, um, it must just be incredibly, uh, I, I mean, even easier than here, I would assume, um, to just like be completely corrupt. I mean, it's kind uh, of is that it's, fair. Or? I feel like it's same same to be completely honest. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I, I mean. I was imagining a more corrupt uh, political country, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh no, this no, is this is bad. I reckon they're about. I'm glad. Bad. Okay, yeah. like, good. Yeah, we've we've good. got some really obvious like graft and some really obvious corruption, but I wouldn't say it's any any different than what I read about in the US. Like, yeah, good. I mean, good. it's a, it's a like hyper. I mean, bad, but neoliberal <laughs> isn't it? So like, you can't. Yeah, sure. You you fundamentally can't expect democracy to work properly when wealth is so unequally distributed. Uh, sure. Damn prime minister. I'm, I think, you know, that's one of the, like, this is, to, to loop it really back around with another forced segue. Yay! Um, like, please, yeah. This is one Love of the forced segues. That, no, uh, please, more. <laughs> this is one of the things that, like, I think is, is a good democracy and inequality is, like, a really good um, talking point for game workers because, like, hmm. they, even when they consider themselves captains of industry and that kind of stuff, like, you know, the, the fact that they have no say at work and the fact that they have no control over the work is generally like a difficult realization for them. And that's one of the biggest things I've found that helps them understand that maybe collective bargaining is the way to go. Um, because they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm just biding my time here until I can start up my own startup and whatever. And then it's like, okay, but you know, you. That's not happening. Still, it's not going to happen. And you have no control over anything at work. Mm. Uh, right. You, have no, you know, this is not a fundamentally democratic set up because the power is so unequally distributed and they're like oh yeah i guess it is you know but, mm -hmm. but when it comes to wages and stuff like that they don't want to have that conversation because they're happy to have shit wages for until the end of time oh um, well yeah because it's yeah it's treated they, like they a passion project right like we're, we're so lucky to be working in the gaming industry we don't want to rock the boat that is so it's, frustrating because it's it's i can only imagine it's considered a hobby industry and so Okay. Big companies know that they can just have warm bodies to throw at something because there'll always be someone there to replace the, that worker if the worker burns out, which they often do. Um, well, of course. And if someone says, <laughs> the argument I got into yesterday, someone was like, well, just sign a petition that you won't do crunch time. And I was like, oh, okay, that'll work. Um, <laughs> like, it, you can't just expect a boss to just be nice. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're doing yeah, the right. absolute minimum to begin with because it's set by law. And so having something okay. that's not set sure. by law means that the absolute minimum is quite low. And then yeah. people people feel like they're they're 
being traitors if they decide to do something like unionize because it means that they're hurting the industry or whatever. Yeah, and they're hurting their bosses, their friend. Uh, because boss, like, oh. yeah, there's a line between friend and boss is so close in a hobby industry. Sure, sure. Because, I mean, you want to be like them. You're, you're thinking like, well, one day I'm going to be you, which is, I mean, a powerful drug. Mm. Yeah, I don't. It's awful. <laughs> I just it's, hate it. You know, like it, that stuff about the petition particularly is, is frustrating um, because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, do you want to beg your boss yeah. to treat you well or do you want to demand that your boss treats you well? Absolutely. And right. the That's capacity a, to fight That's a great way to treatment. put it. You know, like if you wait for your boss to give you something, then you can you absolutely be counting down the days until they take it away again. Yep. But if you fight mm-hmm. for it and you force them to give it to you and you fucking guard it ferociously, then you know it's yours. Well, you yeah, know, you've set uh, a precedent at that point. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it, but it's not even about like. Um, <laughs> so that's my dog whining in the background. Uh, look, uh, it, it's not even about like um, you know, uh, like it's 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 not even really about anything else other than the simple morality of like as a worker. Do you want to assert yourself or do you just want to beg for whatever fucking scraps you get? Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, your boss is making a profit off your labor. And even yep. if you love your boss and even if your boss is your friend, your boss is making a profit off your labor. And you've got to be prepared to draw a line in the sand and say, this is mine and you can't have it. And I, I deserve certain things and I will fight for them. And it, 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 if your boss is really your friend, then they should respect that. But if your boss is not your friend, well, you'll quickly find out, won't you? You'll very quickly find out. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. That's really well said. I guess, so one of the things I was actually really, and then this leads into it quite nicely, uh, one of the things I was super interested in is, so do you most, do you deal mostly with um, larger companies or are you mostly focused on like smaller studios? Because what I'm guessing is you don't deal with like a lot of like, you know, indie games where it's like, okay, uh, one creator, right? Like you're not, you're not dealing with any sort of like boss employees, uh, who, who have to give themselves better wages or something like that. Like, uh, you're not, this isn't like RPG maker. It's some sort of like some sort of company, but, um, a company that is big, a company that is small, like what, what is sort of the, the general dimension? Well, we're not exactly like a, a union yet. So right now we're just saying, okay, okay. <laughs> we're just saying, well, okay. Um, so sorry, go ahead. In theory then. Okay. In theory. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to force you into a, into a, a claim that you <laughs> you don't feel comfortable making. So that's all right. Um, so uh, we would, we want to be involved like all the way along, even down to like the independent, you know, one person developers that could possibly grow in the future. Right. So like, Okay. That right. We'd be interested in helping people set up co-ops, which is where everyone has a stake in the company. Or we'd be interested in, in helping small businesses do like best practices and making sure that um, the workers aren't exploited by the you know the, the friend boss dynamic, and that you know bosses have the uh, peace of mind that you know their employees are going to be you know faithful and invested because they're taken care of. So right, we, we can cover literally uh the big to the small as long as they're a game worker Mm. and as long as they're in australia like we'll be involved hopefully yeah interesting there are a lot of independent developers there's so many and and you know that like there are only a couple of really big employees yeah in australia there's like probably about two two or three offices which employ any more than like 60 people um in in the whole country um 
so like just by the very nature of the work we're going to need to be very invested in independent game developers and, and yep. figure out ways to help them and a lot of the feedback we've got so far has been from independent game developers saying you know how can you help me why should I join a union that kind of stuff um, so we've right. already had to focus our messaging quite heavily on on them um, and they are very keen on things like you know best standards of pay access to legal support that kind of stuff so all the stuff that Felicia's already mentioned like they're very keen on it but it's the big fascinating the big employers, like, um, for example, the biggest employer in Australia is Wargaming, who make World of Tanks. Yep. They own office okay. in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and they would easily be our biggest employer. But, look, I don't think we've had any interest from any employees at Wargaming um, yet. It's all been mostly Indian small developers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I'd love to kick down the doors of the Wargaming office and start <laughs> throwing pamphlets around, like... Uh, why do you why do you think there's not I mean I, and and either of you can answer this uh, I, maybe both because you might have different answers but why do you think there's so little interest at wargaming like I I would I would obviously like I know why there's no interest from management um, <laughs> why is there why is there so little interest from the employees there I mean I'd assume that would be one of those situations where there's so many of them that it would be like they might see a potential for um, change on some level I don't know the answer. Oh, honestly, I think it's access. So mm. our, our current problem now is making sure that everyone is aware that our survey even exists and that the GW okay. is something that is happening. Like if you don't particularly pay attention to news or if you're not on Twitter, for example, um, <laughs> then it, well, I can't imagine who wouldn't be on Twitter. <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's thinking about deleting their Twitter. Oh, no, Tim. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Tim, don't. <laughs> I just followed you. Uh yeah, so like it, you could be completely ignorant of it because, and not of your own fault. Like it just might not be something that you're aware of. And we're struggling with um, getting even uh, smaller AAA developers that are present in Australia mm. to, to look at it or be involved. Uh, we've gotten some success with the independent community. But we're struggling to get pro players, which are really present in Australia. Like, uh, yeah. Australia's got a lot of pro players, and they do really well. It's because we have bad ping, and they're used to it. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. like, is that right? Is that really why? <laughs> I feel like it's I like mean, a high gravity training environment. Yeah, <laughs> when they get to the real world, their reactions oh, are man. sharper. Their reflexes well, are sharper. It's like coming from you know, Krypton you're, you're to the United of, States. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're also doing. I mean, you're also doing the. Uh, <laughs> I just caught the Krypton thing. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, you're also their closest opponent is uh, like South Korea, who is just like South Korea and Japan are just absolutely brutal in terms yep. of uh, esports. Yep. Yeah, absolutely are. killers. Yeah. So that well, makes esports sense. players are, you know, like we really want to get in on that because, you know, like I don't know how else to put this. They're all kids. They they're are. All fucking they're all young. Kids. A lot of them are under 18 and most of them are under 25. They're yep. being fucking horribly exploited they get signed oh, sure. to draconian contracts which they have no say over yep. like it's fucking it's a really bad industry it's heinous like the, the you know the overwatch league made headlines when they said we're actually going to pay our players pretty well and give them dental or whatever yeah like you know so they made headlines when they said we're going to do uh the right thing by our <laughs> workers uh Let's just That's rephrase wild. that in a way that we need to understand. They made headlines for saying we're not going to treat our workers like garbage, uh, <laughs> and, and good on them for that. But that's literally what they were saying because right, that the, shouldn't the, make the headlines. That should be a norm. That's exactly correct. So the pro player scene is fucking 
like really bad. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our, our pro players in Australia are exactly the same. Like they're all fucking kids. They don't understand the contracts they're signing. Oh, that sounds like condescending to them. They probably do understand them, but they don't understand what it means on a long-term basis. Yeah. Um, and what it means to set a precedent well, I mean, for the industry in that way to sign yeah, those I contracts. Mean, Good luck understanding a contract, like the the actual sort of stakes of a contract like that when you're 18. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't have. I mean, that's... Yeah. Um, and then, like, if you look at the Overwatch League, for example, like, we've got, you know, and I, and I want to be clear that I'm not defending any of the comments that some of the Overwatch League players have made, but, you know, we've got Overwatch League players becoming famous for making, like, fucking dumb shit homophobic or racist comments or whatever yep. online. These are kids. Yep. They're fucking kids. And I'm not out there saying it's great that they made these comments, but, like... We, th- this system takes kids who are just behind a screen good at playing games, thrusts them into the national spotlight, puts them under an incredibly draconian contract, and then just fucking knocks them on the head if they if they do the slightest wrong thing. They're kids. They don't know what they're fucking doing. No. And they don't have any protections, and they don't have any guidance, and they don't have any fallback if things go wrong. Um, and again, I really want to be clear, like, you know, we're not out here defending any kind of vile shit that, that pro players might say online. No. But we have to be clear that that's not a system that's good for anyone. No, look, it's, uh, it's, it's very similar to the entertainment industry in that, you know, children's stars just get used up and then churned out. Like, uh, yeah, that's well, a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, you take kids from a young age and then they don't. They don't know anything about the industry. They're just really excited to be there because everybody holds it up as this really great thing. And then, um, at least with child stars, you see them, they get heavily into drugs or they get heavily into, uh, I wouldn't say unsavory things, but I would say things that just tend to use them up more quickly than anything else if you'd gotten into it as an Mm. adult. Uh, Mm. And they've got no, well, they do now, but previously they had no one there to help them. And that's what Mm. I feel like the esports industry really needs. Yeah, like no, absolutely. You know, like some some uh, esports players are talking about forming players guilds and stuff in the US, yeah. and that's great. Like yeah, we should is. be encouraging that, and certainly like formally, I can state that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like it's it's there's nothing like that here in Australia, and you know like we really need to be doing it because uh, from from what we understand so far, the rates of pay for esports pros in Australia are even worse than, like, some of the worst game development salaries we've seen. Like, they're really bad. Really bad. Like, 20k a year, I think, was one of the figures I saw. Like, just yep. fucking half of the median wage. Wow. Uh, like, that's not a livable nope. wage. It's not. That's not... Even if you were doing it in a share house situation with some mates, like, that's barely going to cover... Like, fuck. You know, <laughs> like, we can't, we can't have this happen. It's not okay. Well, and so, like, I mean, this is also the precarity, right? Where, like, you you have all these kids and they basically have to do exactly what their sponsor or what their team or what their coach says Mm -hmm. or else they'll be booted out the door because there's a million Because there's a million people waiting. Yeah, and a million people who maybe they're not as good, but they're, like, just a tick worse. (laughs) Like, there aren't... I wrote I wrote an article. It was actually I felt I felt kind of bad. Uh, I, I knew it was going to happen, but the uh, my my friends all made fun of me because uh, I wrote the article, and then the next article that came up was that um, compete Deadspin's vertical was uh, was closing. Oh, uh, so <laughs> my article was the la- was the thing that killed compete ostensibly. Um, but I, I had an article. Yeah, well, no, there you go. Um, but uh, I wrote an article. I co-wrote an article with uh, a guy named Jack Moore, who uh, we wrote about. Uh, I wrote about wages uh, and sort of minor league organization. He wrote about gambling uh, and, and fixing matches, and we both were approaching it from an economical standpoint. Basically, the ultimate point, the ultimate piece said, P 
pay these people more so that like these scandals don't happen. This is an easy problem. Literally every comment was like, Oh boy, pay him more. Huh? Jeez. Well, these kids getting to play video games. They they shouldn't get paid at all. Like that is not fair. Not fair. I hate it so much. You know how athletes just get paid to play football or whatever? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same. It's literally the same. I mean, it's also something that you hear when you talk to people who like are athletes playing football too. Like, yeah. <laughs> people are furious at them too. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like, I want to be clear that I think the salaries for professional sports players at the top level in Australia are fucking monstrous. They're insane. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're li- like literally, these people can work for a year and they never work again in their lives. Yeah, and not only because they're put through physical injuries, which might actually prevent them from working again in their lives, um, but but generally just financially, like they're so well off, it's it's obscene. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like so, you know. But, but but that doesn't matter. At the other end, we have kids who are earning half the median wage who can't pay the rent and have dropped out of school to pursue a, what is effectively at the moment a dead-end career. Yeah. And that's fucked. Um, and they're being exploited by people who know that that's fucked and are doing nothing about it. And and the only way they're going to fix it is by unionising. And we really want to see more pro players like standing up and joining the union and, and you know, uh, at least getting in touch with us and telling us what they're earning and what their contracts are like yep. and that kind yeah. of stuff. And they can do it because anonymously. Don't have that data. Like, they can do it anonymously. Yeah, they don't even have to put their name. If they're worried about people finding out, you know, that they've done something and they might lose their contract or whatever, they don't even have to worry about that. Like, they could do it anonymously. We don't We don't need their name to do it. And they're also welcome to join. Everybody's welcome to join. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, like, we, we need uh, that information. Hmm. Yeah, we um, can't really act on anything if we don't have any data. Um, yeah. We've got a lot of data from game developers. Oh, yeah. They're very vocal. You know, game developers are the most vocal about unionizing. But other sectors are, are just not stepping forward and saying, here's what I'm earning, here's what uh, you know my rates are like, and we need that data. So, yeah. you know, hats off to our game developers who have been very forward about filling in the survey. They're very, at least they're organized as a community, if not industrially. But, <laughs> you know, the pro players are just aren't, and the streamers and stuff, just, it's just not... You know, we're getting very small amounts of data and we need more. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. Well, I've kept you so long. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I just looked up the time and I realized that we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes. It flew <laughs> by because this has all been so interesting. Um, I want to let me ask you each one more question. Um, so, uh, Felicia, um, I'm really interested in uh, since you've worked, uh, I, I guess, I don't know if this is fair or not. I've sort of pegged you as. Uh, part of was like the the sort of like uh, creative professional uh, arm of this, which is um, not gendered or meant to be gendered, but <laughs> just sort of like the, the the idea I got, which would of course be where I would place myself too. But the um, what I find interesting about problems with game uh, unionization is the same thing that you hear in terms of like any level of um, uh, any level of like demystification or. Um, complication in video games it's always like you're gonna ruin my fun yeah like this is an industry about fun this is an industry about giving me something that i like let's not complicate it with these politics let's just make the thing that i enjoy Mm. um and i mean always always coming from sort of like a conservative uh bent of course but and and extremely frustrating but i wonder what you would say how how would you speak to that problem like how would you speak to the problem of uh, people who would say like this isn't about, you know, this, this industry isn't about unionization. It's about fun. Um, and I don't want to lose that. Okay. Uh, they don't have to lose it. It's still pretty fun if you've got money. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, 
<laughs> don't know what they're <laughs> worried about. Um, as far as like, don't bring politics into my gaming or whatever, that's just impossible. There's politics and everything and people are just going to have to deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as like, don't ruin my fun, don't they want the people that make their things to be taken care of? Like, don't you want people <laughs> to have a good life? Don't you want people to be able to live and take care of their families or take care of themselves? Like, it's not too much to ask that someone has money to live off of for doing a decent job. Even if they do yeah. a crap job. The point is, they did work. Like, they did the job. They did right. the job. That's not... <laughs> I, I get mm. angry, obviously. but um, No, yeah. I mean, get angry at this point. It's totally fine. Um no, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. I guess like one of the things that strikes me about the way you guys are approaching this, it's not like it would frustrate me so much being in your position uh, because of the way that this always gets elided by the gaming community. This 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 um, this sense of like good games versus good politics, right? And how there can only be one of the two. No, you can never no. have both, right. uh, you know, according to them. Uh, or according to some of them, I shouldn't. I shouldn't generalize. There are lots of really good people in the gaming community, the present company included. Oh. Um, Thank you. But, oh well, of course. <laughs> but it it's also true that there's so much of that. Like there's yeah. so many people who are just like, well, I I would rather have good games, and that seems like something that would just be endlessly difficult to do. But with. if someone is getting paid well, if they're taken care of. And if there are things like if if you try to to get rid of crunch, I mean some crunch is going to happen. Like it's just going to happen because mm -hmm. uh, plans don't go always go the way that they should, or you know whatever. But you should never plan on crunch. But if you if you take care of your employees, they're going to put so much more into what mm. they're doing. Like that's just how mm -hmm. it works. If you're, you take you're care get of someone, a more fun game. Yeah, you get a you get a better game. Like uh anyway. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, and, and oh, go ahead, sorry, Tim. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to say, like, it's you know, like like what Felicia's saying to 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 build on that. It's not complicated. Like, if you really want a fun game, like just evidence on an evidentiary basis, mm -hmm. you should expect that supporting the workers is the best way to deliver that. Yeah, because right. that's what will give you the most fun game. Yeah, um, and even if you're the most one-eyed consumer first like absolute fucking Gamergate dickhead, you uh, need to understand that supporting those workers will give you the best quality product. Maybe it'll take longer, but good quality always takes longer. That's Absolutely. just how production works. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're worried about prices going up, why don't you ask Bobby Kotick to drop his fucking salary a bit first rather than complaining about the workers who just want something more than minimum wage? Like, yep. you know, I mean, like, to, to nice. go on the Bobby Kotick example, like, they're, they're literally their internal filings to the Securities and Exchange uh, Commission revealed that he earns 309 times more than the average worker. Oof. Like, you can't look at that and say it's the workers' fault that the game prices went up. Are you fucking right. serious? Yeah. Like, right. it's, that's not a sustainable argument. Even if you, again, are the most one-eyed, absolute consumer-first dickhead, on an evidentiary basis, that is well, yeah, stupid. It, it can't be. Right, right, right. Like, the facts, and, you know, all these people are all about facts over feelings. Uh, the facts are that if you look after your workers, they do a better product and you'll have more fun. <laughs> Yep. And the facts are that most of the money is going to lie in the profits of large businesses, yep. uh, not towards the workers. So if you really care about getting a good product, 
and you really care about paying a low price for it, there's only one way to get it. Um, and that's to make sure the workers are paid fairly and that the CEO perhaps compensates for that by losing a bit of their outrageous fucking salary. Right, yeah. That's interesting. I, I think, like, it's a fascinating point and leads me to my question for you, Tim, which is how much of this do you think in your particular stance? So, like, taking it out of sort of an international uh, viewpoint, which we didn't focus on this enough, and that's my fault, but I think – one of the things that you guys have both brought to the table and really made clear to me in, in a really valuable way is how international uh, game unionization is, like necessarily speaking. Oh, it's very difficult yeah. to sort of think about it by like country by country. Um, but of course you do too, right? You have to think about it country by country. How much do you think your struggles have to do with just unionizing in Australia. So like, I mean, the things that seem to, to stand out, like the, the award system seems to uniquely kneecap, um, you know, nascent unionization efforts, like in gaming, um, the way that you are sort of like, well, I guess, I guess that's the one I'm thinking of, but like there, it seems to Mm -hmm. me that it would be Mm -hmm. quite difficult to, to form, uh, form a basis for unionization when you have like, this nebulous system of, of challenging and the sort of like need to inform everyone and everyone's precarious. I mean, how much is it just like changing the stakes of how much is it? Like, let me put it this way. How much of the challenge to management is simply just changing the stakes of the initial playing field? Um, I think like more broadly, the, the game workers movement, faces a lot of the same challenges in every country. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, Game Workers Unite is an international movement. You know, there's chapters in, in most countries now, um, at least most Western countries. I shouldn't be so so broadly Anglo-spheric. Um, but <laughs> in most Western countries, there, there are, there's like UK chapters, US chapters. Um, I've seen Canadian chapters. I think there's some going on in Brazil. Um, but like... I think across internationally, a lot of the same challenges are what we face, and that is just initially uh, pushing back against this passion-first mindset, which puts economic and wage justice secondary to everything else. Um, right. You know, like that. It doesn't matter whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in a particular state in the US. All the workers are the same in games. It's I love games. Here I am in my beautiful paradise job of games. Please yeah. don't ruin that by pointing out that I earn less than the minimum wage. <laughs> and um, that I am miserable, that would, right? <laughs> that would upset me greatly if you were to point that yeah. out. Um, and and like, that's the same challenge everywhere. And that's the first step for every game unionizing effort is saying, is pushing through that bubble and saying, listen, this, this is not okay. Uh, what you're doing, what's happening to you is not okay. Uh, you need to fix it. Now, the tools for fixing it are obviously based in legislation and based in an understanding of each country's particular industrial relations landscape. But before we can even pick up the tools, we really need to understand that the first step is is making sure people want to change the system in the first place. And, and that means tackling the same mentality everywhere, which is, I love games and it's okay to exploit me because I love games. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Well, thank you guys. This I I feel like I could ask you questions for another hour, but I don't I don't want to. I know you have probably families and 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 enjoyable Saturdays to get to. It's it's funny talking to you now. Like it's 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 like you just 
you lived the night I'm about to live, um, which did. is mostly sleep. It's um, <laughs> how was it? Was did <laughs> everything good? Did everyone should sleep we, well? Yeah. Should we tell him about the purge or just not? no? No, no, <laughs> no! Don't tell him. That's no. Okay. Anyway. Uh, you guys cut out there for a second. Uh, I didn't hear what you said, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, thank you so much. And, and please uh, come back whenever. This was this was really really educational, and, and enjoyable. Um, I didn't even ask you uh, uh, before you go. Uh, I'll just I'll do like I'm I teach, uh, so I'll, I'll do a, a, a icebreaker at the end of the show. But just because I want to hear this information, uh, where, what's your Twitter so people can find you and uh, a game that was particularly influential to you? Oh jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be the most. No, it no, can no. Be I'll it. take it I'm first. Not, I'm not going to push it. All good. Um, Planescape Torment was my... Uh, Beautiful. God, it was just incredible, right? And so, like, it's so many different endings and so many different pathways. Uh, it, it just really kind of opened my mind to what a game could be, uh, which was... Did you ever play as a pure sadist? No, I couldn't. I, I can't like I can't. nearly impossible. I can't. I, I have a problem. Like, even when I play things like Knights of the Old Republic or whatever, where you could play, like, a super bad guy, I can't do that. I feel so bad. I'm the same way. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I feel terrible, so I have to play good. I play... Yeah. I always play uh, what like uh, chaotic good, yeah. where I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't care about any of the laws. I just want, me, I don't want to make people happy. Yeah, I, it's always so boring, but I, I can't <laughs> not do it. Um, but my my Twitter is uh, Fezdivus, so F E Z T I V U S Fezdivus. Um, Great. Yep, and uh, you can find me on there, and I cuss a whole lot, and I get really angry sometimes, and sometimes I just make dumb jokes. So. Well, it sounds like a lot of uh, left Twitter in the U.S. also, so you, <laughs> you will be in good company. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Tim, you're, you're, you're at in the game you uh, – in any order. You're at in the game that is uh, – one of the games that's inspired you greatly. Sure. Uh, I'm at uh, Burgerdrome. That's the word burger and then D-R-O-M-E. Uh, if you ask me what that means, I'll tell you it's an arena where burgers fight to the death. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember why I came up with it, but I like it. And uh, David Cronenberg horror, a body horror film about. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah, do. Uh, yeah um, burgers. Yeah. Sure. Uh, what's a game that, that really, um, you know, like I... I guess, like, I, my first console was a Nintendo 64, so a lot of okay. my really, like, pivotal experiences were on that. So I yeah, think again. that one of the ones that first inspired me to want to make games probably would have been um, uh, Ocarina of Time, I think, which is obviously a bit cliche. Um, no, that's great. That was, um, but, but, like, after playing that, I was like, fuck, you know, because there was a real sense of, um, like... Uh, mystery about a lot of the stuff going on in that game and, and it really captured a lot of my imagination i was like yes i can fill in the gaps in this and i can do you know i can do this as well like i could i could make cool like and because i remember that um you know that the ocarina of time had that like context sensitive button which like yeah. changed depending on and that's one of the first games that actually did that i think um and i, I remember thinking like uh, that I could use that in all these cool, interesting ways. And then I was like, whoa, designing games is like the best thing ever. What a cool job. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say like Ocarina of Time just because it like mechanically and, and narratively did a lot of interesting things that captured my young mind. But yeah, no, it's nice. a bit cliche because everyone loves Ocarina of Time. Oh, that's um, fine. It's a critical darling. I, I personally think Majora's Mask was a superior Zelda game. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. And uh, But uh, yeah, look, I'm going to say that. Okay, great. Nice. Well... Uh, thank you both. Uh, oh, and I should ask, is there any, uh, is there a Twitter for the union? Should people follow the union anywhere, anywhere they can get news updates, things like that? Yes. 
Yes, we uh, do have a Twitter account. I can't remember the handle. Felicia, help. I do. Uh, it's GWU underscore AUS. Okay. That's it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you can also well, follow the, you know, we should plug the international one, which is just at Game Workers. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, plug them a little bit. They didn't. They didn't come on the podcast, so you know, that's true. that much of a problem. But you know, they're, they're the overarching. <laughs> they're the overarching body, and they've given us a lot of support. Um, yeah, yeah no, they've got a really great Discord. Uh, so if, anyone, cool. if anyone's listening and they're not from Australia, you should follow GameWorks <laughs> and also join their Discord. Yes, do it. I make a trip over to Australia. I hear it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, thank you both. This has been wonderful. Uh, please follow them. Please come back. Uh, we'd love, I'd love to talk to you again, especially if there's any sort of like legal decisions and gaming that we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, have a great Saturday. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having us.